Welcome to Two Girls in a Grape, where we attempt to learn about wine one bottle at a time. I'm Drea, and every Tuesday can be Fat Tuesday if you want it to be. <laughs> it's true! <laughs> and I'm Jules, and I'll take all the beads. So, in case you haven't picked up on some context clues, this episode we are celebrating Carnival with a Brazilian sparkling wine. I'm excited. Jules is apprehensive. So Very. This is guaranteed to be a royal shit show. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Sorry, Brazil. I just do not have confidence in this sparkling wow, wine being That good. is some deep-rooted telenovela-style betrayal there. I feel like they need to stick to the caipirinhas and the beer. Damn. All right. Well, um, before we get into uh, Jules's deep-rooted childhood trauma, apparently, let's <laughs> kick off with our recurring <laughs> segment, Cheers and Jeers. Jules, what are you cheersing and jeers in this episode? I'm cheersing generally to people having a good time. Positive. I like I, that. I do like walking by restaurants and bars where people are, you know, just generally having fun. It makes me happy to see other people having a good time. I don't really have FOMO about that kind of stuff. Like, I also, I love to people watch. I'm kind of like the creeper that's, like, watching you have a good time. She is a creeper. The last time we went out in public together, I was like, girl, chill out. What was I doing? Um, we were at a certain vegan restaurant that will not be named, and we were drinking, and you were like, these fucking people. Oh, but come on. <laughs> like, was I wrong? I mean. I was not wrong. She can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. What are you what are you jeersing to besides those people? <laughs> so in keeping with the theme of like Mardi Gras Carnival, I'm jeersing to the like mass produced cheap frozen cocktails that give you just the worst fucking hangover. Because there's so much sugar. Not a friend size slushy because that thing is the bomb. But like the Oh like, you drink enough of those, you're gonna get fucked up. Well, yes. <laughs> in many ways. <laughs> I'm talking about like the places that have like the like 25 slushy like machines. Like the, the daiquiri by the yard in Vegas. Ugh. Yeah. Yes. No, thank you. <laughs> I'm hurricane, not hurricane by the yard. No. No. What's the one in uh, Senior Frogs? Oh, Senior Frog. Yeah. So yeah. I just got back from Mexico with our girl Lauren. Shout out to Lauren. Um, yeah, there was definitely a lot of that happening. Yeah. And the first margarita i ordered they brought it to me and it was frozen and i was literally like the fuck is that get that out of that's my that's not site. a fucking margarita Abs- absolutely not that's for tourists yeah how dare you that's for the gringos <laughs> <laughs> what are you cheersing to i am cheersing again and sticking with our theme um to the catholic imaginary nothing like some religious rituals to motivate a party here we are <laughs> like a party that's like nudity and sex and booze and it's like you don't know Catholics at it's all. It's just ridiculous. Like, it's so ridiculous. Um, yeah, so cheers, cheers to that. Cheers to that. <laughs> what are you cheersing to? Uh, I also sticking with the theme because we are trying a sparkling wine. And for those of you who listened to our recent non-vintage episode, one of my goals this year was to drink more wines from places I don't normally drink from. And so and she, I, may, she may already be off of that based on this. Review. No, I'm, I'm I'm committed to it. I'm committed to it. I've got I've got a wine from Thailand. Thailand. That, yeah, that's the some, fuck. Some friends from, who live in Bangkok gifted me the last time they were here. What? I have a wine from India that I have a pawn. So no, oh, I am Lord. committed to it. She didn't just go like 
some wine region. She went anywhere that makes yeah, wine. I'm like, I'm trying to talk Jules into getting some wine from Colorado, from Virginia. Like, we are going. And she's having a hard time with that. Crazy. You bring fucking Thailand and crazy. India to the mix. I'm looking for a Chinese wine we can try. It's all happening. Oh, I'm sure there is. But any who's it's. Um, I did last weekend uh, open up a sparkling Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand. Oh, woof. It was not good. It yeah. was. It had a plastic cap I with like a pull tab situation. That was my first sign and it was, it was nasty. It was nasty, Yeah, nasty, she texted nasty. me and said she literally poured it down the sink and I was like, ooh, it must have been bad. That I actually did that with two bottles in one week. <gasps> I know. Yeah, things are getting grim. Over. Are you are you just getting down to like nothing in your wine collection? <laughs> <laughs> uh, reader, <laughs> that's a joke because she has three hundred bottles, <laughs> so Still, that probably. would be dire. We drank heavily in January. It was the opposite of a dry January. Um, so yeah, hopefully this one will be better. Again, I have high hopes. I'm very excited. I have low expectations so you know it could be good it's good to level set it's good to level set cheers and cheers everyone show Wynigans, Drea has done some sleuthing and has come up with a fun game that we can play called Adedonia. It's a Brazilian game. She was never going to be able to pronounce that. Nope, so... not in a little bit. This episode's going to be a real shit show for me. But, I mean, the game is in English, so it's not a big deal. But the basic rules of the game are that you pick a random letter and then you have categories and for us we picked food wine and entertainment like our perfect parents of course so um there's a random letter that is is chosen and i have a random letter generator on on the websters so like you know on the lines um because you can find anything on the lines um, and we have to fill out our categories and the first person to fill out all three categories is going to yell stop 
And then they're the winner. This is kind of like bingo and Wheel of kind Fortune of. Yes. and Jeopardy all together. Correct. The Brazilians. And categories. Re- the Brazilians it's like all the things. really have a thing going here. And now I'm thinking I might have to play this on Super Bowl Sunday when our friends come over. <laughs> well, there you go. This would be fun. Wait, aren't, like you a watch- bunch of people? aren't you watching the game? I'm watching the halftime show. I'm waiting for Twa- Taylor Swift, like, to firebomb Usher and um, like put on like a sightings show? and yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Although I think Usher is going to be amazing, and also commercials. I don't really care about the game so much. Wow, how are we friends exactly? <laughs> I mean, everybody knows I'm not into sports. Hello, sports ball, whatever. Sports. Although I do know a lot. Rob is always very, very, very impressed by my sports knowledge for someone that doesn't like sports. Well, okay. you do live with him, so. Here we go. Okay. Before we play the game, I do have to give you a little bit of context because it wouldn't be Two Girls and a Grape without some context because Drea did her research. And colonialism. Oh, God. Carnival festivities in Brazil date back to 1723 with the influx of immigrants from Portugal. While originally a side effect of colonial rule, oh, there it is. <laughs> the tradition today has evolved into something that is quintessentially Brazilian. In honor of the traditions that Brazilian people have added to the festivities, we're playing a classic Brazilian game, which we have already explained. Also, I would like to add my own Julesification to this. Um, Brazilians know how to have a good fucking time. Well, yeah. I mean, so, it's one of the like hallmarks of their people. Correct. So it was either we play a game or we go dancing on the streets, which we really couldn't have recorded for the podcast. So So I was like, how can we make a Mardi Gras costume with feathers and make that work for a podcast? But I couldn't, I couldn't, I, again, I was drinking a lot when I wrote this, so it was. I do have a good picture I can send you of when we were doing our Zoom nights, the Ferguson family Zoom nights during COVID. And one of our themes around this time of year was carnival. So nice. we all dressed up like carnival. I'll send you a picture of that one. It was pretty funny. Awesome. I'm I think I think my mom or Lauren was wearing a banana on their head. So whatever. Anyway, so here we go. Random letter generator says. Says Z. Oh, shit. Um. you get food ziti okay i had zatar like a seasoning i does okay. that count I sort mean, of? all right sure wine zinfandel that's what i have entertainment zatarayan oh i really struggled with the entertainment that was that's that's what lost me that yeah i mean it's that's kind of difficult okay ready one two three c Okay, food. I said cacciatore. I didn't even spell it right because I'm tired. Jeez, <laughs> you, had, you spent more time trying to spell it than whatever. One hundred percent corn. Corn. <laughs> Listen, the wine. F- the Carignan. Cabernet. Oh well, I. You know what? Entertainment. I was, I was gonna put Cats the musical. Cockfight. <laughs> corn and cockfights people that's the hallmark you of were just in mexico you should have come up with cockfight on your own uh, girl i was in 
gay Mexico. That's a to- well, actually, well, that works literally, too, and it was. It couldn't have worked better. It was beef dip bear week while I was there. I just so. feel like international bear weeks follow me wherever I go. <laughs> okay, ready? Yeah. Last one. One, two, three. B. Done. <laughs> Finally. Okay, go. Food. Burritos. Oh, bananas. Wine. I could not come up with one. Boujolet. Oh, nice one. Yeah. Entertainment. Bob's Burgers. Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> Did I win a toaster? <laughs> this game's actually pretty it fun. It is really yeah. fun. So everybody... Take this this little party game into your next uh, little gathering. It's really fun. You can always put, you know, instead of having a random letter generator on your phone, you could have your letters in a hat and you can pull them out. Um, you can create as many categories as you want. If you have enough people, everyone can pick a leather as you go around, too. That would yeah. be a fun one. And typically... For something like this, you would have a lot more categories than we did. So it would take a little bit longer and I think would be more, it'd be kind of like the Jeopardy theme song playing and you'd be like, oh my God, oh my God, I know someone's going to finish before me. So in the example I saw, there was one, two, three, four, five, seven categories um, per each yeah. leather. And, but they, they in the instructions, they did recommend picking a theme to kind of streamline it and sort of make it hilarious. But you could do this for holiday parties, for Halloween parties, for birthdays. Anniversaries would be fun. I actually really like this game. Yeah. Yeah, they had like name, place, sport, animal, color, fruit, and a film as the as like example categories. Right. So I think those are fun. Yeah. So this is a good one. This is a good show against. We try. We try. And people can actually try this at home, no problem. Once Super in, easy. Once in a while, we, we come up with a good idea, I think. She pulls one out of her ass, everyone. I try. It's a big <laughs> ass. <laughs> On that note, Schweinigans. To celebrate our Carnaval episode in Brazil, we are featuring bottle number 72, which is an Alma Brut. Salton, Serra Gaúcha, from Brazil. The price point is $10. Don't make that face. What face? That this face. is my face. I can't, you know what? <laughs> Talk to Margaret and Gordon about the face. I can't do anything about my face. Do you guys hear the abuse I take? The ABV on this sparkler is 11.5%. Respectable. Respectable. I mean, that's a, that's like a, that's what it should be, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's already skeptical, everybody. Okay. I've been skeptical. <laughs> All right. So let's, let's... I was skeptical when we started talking about this weeks ago. I was like, well... I know. When we were doing our planning well, session for this year, she was know. like, mm, this seems like such a bad idea. She I just poured myself a lot more wine. She, I was like, oh boy. She was having flashbacks of our Chapel Downs episode, that sparkling wine from England. I, I actually was. It yeah. Was, yeah. So... That was right when you came back from Scotland with COVID, remember? And Ugh. you were like, I can't believe this is the thing I'm drinking for the first time since COVID. Since and I was like, for like okay. two or three weeks, I think. And I was like, you're welcome. I love you. Mm-hmm. Yay. Okay, <laughs> so hit us with some basic info about the wine. Okay, so this was actually a super fun episode to research because this is uncharted territory for both girls, two girls and a grape, and for me. I've never had a wine from Brazil. Have well, you? I, 
I was born and raised there, and I've never had wine from Brazil. Well, you so were no. also just a wee baby Jules child. I mean, this is true, but, like, I don't... Mm, yeah, I just don't remember there being... I, I was ch- actually shocked when you said you found this champagne from Brazil. I was like, wait, what? She was very confused. I had no, I just had no idea. So, right. well, this, this is good for me. This is going to blow your mind, then. Brazil so is the third largest producer of wine in South America. After Argentina and Chile. Yeah, but who else produces wine in South America? Peru does. Uruguay Do does. Yeah, I mean, listen. I said they produce They're also it. tiny. I didn't say they were also, good. Also, Brazil is a massive country. Okay, calm down. I'm just saying. Like, it's not that impressive. Oh, my God. Um, they currently have over 200,000 acres under vine. So that is quite a bit of production. That's like one winery in Napa. Oh my God, stop it. Today, Brazil <laughs> utilizes both European and American vine stocks for the bulk of their production. What we are drinking today, um, the Silton is 60% Moscato and 40% Trebbiano. So Moscato grapes are known primarily for their pronounced floral aromas. It is also believed to be one of the oldest domesticated grape varietals in the world. Theories about the origins of Moscato, and I I take some time here because I don't think we've actually done a Moscato or a Moscatel or any of that. No, because I typically don't like them, but I feel like it's they're getting better. She's making the face again. <laughs> Come on, have you had a good Moscato? Um, I don't know exactly. I, I drink a lot. I feel like I probably have. But this is what I'm saying. I feel like it's not something that is that we know as being very good it's well i think weak. here in the u.s too and especially in california you see them more as blends yeah you know so um or you find them in like sweet wines which neither it's you or i t- typically yeah. drink but you know they suck you get rose Sorry. in here and she's fucking living Ugh, for that rosa all right so theories about the origins of moscato grapes date um Ancestors of the varieties, and there's multiple varieties of Moscato, back to ancient Egyptians and Persians. I mean, of course. Of early antiquity, so roughly 3,000 to 1,000 before the Common Era. We're also now under the anthropology category in podcasts. Oh, my God. The first documented mention of grapes called Muscat um, was in the works of English Franciscan scholar Bartholomeus and... Anglicus. Anglicus, there we go, who wrote of (laughs) wine made from Muscat grapes in his works between 1230 and 1240. And then he died. And then he died. Because he was probably 21. Because he (laughs) And he he drank a lot. All right, so that's a little bit about um, Moscato. Let's talk about Trebbiano. Trebbiano is an Italian wine grape and one of the most widely planted grape varieties in the world. It gives good yields, can be fresh and fruity, but it does not keep long. Um, in addition, its high acidity makes it important in cognac production. Okay, I like which, a good cognac. Yeah, so, I mean, we should... Not really to drink, though. I cook with it. The cognac. No, I'm making the face. All right. Um, Trebbiano may have originated in the Eastern Mediterranean, and it was certainly known in Italy, in was now Italy, in, during the Roman times. A subtype was recognized in Bologna in the 13th century, 
And as the grape made its way to France, possibly during the papal retreat to Avignon in the 14th century, it became more and more popular. So there you have it. Just some basic info, just some very, very basic info about this wine and these grapes. I love the basic info. Um, But why don't you hit us with some fun facts specifically about Carnival from around the world since we are celebrating Brazil and its traditions. Yeah, so... I grew up with Carnaval being, you know, this like massive 24-hour celebration multiple days in a row. Like we used to go and literally you they'd set up these bleachers on the side of the avenues in Sao Paulo and you would literally sit there all night and watch the parade. So it's like the Rose Parade on crack. It's like nothing I've ever <laughs> seen or experienced otherwise. Like it's it's its own insanity. Um, but Carnival is celebrated around the world. Um, but some basic facts about it. According to some historians, Carnival was originally an ancient Greek spring festival in honor of the god of wine Dionysus. Shocking. And later, the Romans adopted the same tradition in honor of Bacchus, their Roman god of wine. Both friends of the podcast. That's right. Yep. We love, we love those guys. Um, the tradition was later adapted by the Catholic Church fuckers to mark the beginning of Lent. Of course, they had to make it into some fucking stupid religious thing. According to The Economist, I mean, hello, today, more than 50 countries celebrate their own carnival traditions. And here is a sampling of some of those traditions from around the world. In Trinidad and, Trinidad and Tobago, um, carnival stemmed from calypso music, which was a genre born out of slavery. Colonialism. Honestly, most carnival celebrations are have some sort of like slavery component to it. Yep. Or a historical component to it. Um, today, those celebrations include music, a parade, and elaborate costumes. So basically, like every carnival around the world. In Tenerife, um, the largest of Spain's Canary Islands, Lenten carnival celebrations are similar to those in Rio de Janeiro. But here, it lasts 15 days and is filled with street parties and official parades. Uh, I think Carnival in Brazil lasts five days, up to a week, depending on which city you go to. I mean, 15 days is intense. It's a lot of partying. I was impressed. That's a lot of partying. Um, One of the celebration's biggest events centers around an annual contest where Carnival Queen is selected. Again, Kind of a common theme amongst a lot of these events across the world. Oh, really? Because that was one of the only ones I saw that had, like, a carnival queen. Oh, no. Carnival Brazil, they have, like, a carnival queen. They have... Um, like a court, all that. They have um, the school that wins. They have, like... It's, like, a contest. The samba schools. Oh. So when the parade goes, it's all the different schools come oh, through. Cool. And then, like, one of... Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, let's see. In Venice, the festivities start weeks before Ash Wednesday and include more than 100 official events that include galas, balls, boat parades along the Grand Canal, and 18th century style masquerades. I would actually really like to go to a carnival in Venice. Yeah. I mean, that, it, it just sounds... They do it right. Yeah. And Venice is such a ethereal city, too. Yeah. We were in Venice for, like, their biggest festival of the year um, in July of 2019, it was insane. Oh, I bet. It was crazy. And we didn't know that we were going we were gonna be there during a festival. That's not why we went. It just happened to It's like when coincide. I show up places in a spare week. <laughs> That's a whole different podcast. <laughs> in Cologne, Germany, 
Carnival is known as the fifth season of the year and is one of the longest celebrations in town. It traditionally starts at 11, 11 a.m. on November 11th, <laughs> the year prior to the actual celebration. However, the official carnival celebration lasts for six days and begins on the Thursday before Ash Wednesday, or Weber Fasnach, which loosely translates to Silly Thursday. But I think Notch is night. So I don't know about that translation. Well, and finally. Even the economists can be wrong. They can be. <laughs> and finally, of course, we cannot talk about Carnival without talking about New Orleans or New Orleans. New Orleans. Louisiana. New Orleans. And it's Mardi Gras celebrations. Celebrations begin on January 6th, the Christian holiday, otherwise known as Three Kings Day. Los Reyes. And ends and ends on Fat, <laughs> Fat Tuesday. Tuesday. <laughs> Mardi Gras celebration or traditions include the grand balls, parades with elaborate floats, and of course, official Mardi Gras colors of purple, gold, and green, and the infamous throwing of the beads, show me your boobs. It Was that a request? <laughs> no. Okay, just checking. Just saying. I just want to be on the same page here. <laughs> just saying. So those are some fun facts about carnival around the world. Drea, tell us about the region where um, we are drinking this wine from. Okay, so I'm going to try not to butcher one of Jules's ancestral language. Um, we are drinking a wine from Sarah Gaosha, right? Yeah. Gaosha, did I get it right? Did Gaosha. I sort of get it right? right? Mm -hmm. All right, perfectly. I mean, I had to spell it out phonetically, but here we are. Um, and uh, this, so... Let's talk a little bit about wine traditions in Brazil just to start. So, oh, wait, let's also just go back to another little fun fact. So, Serra Gaúcha is um, translates into the Gaucho Highlands. Okay. So, it's the highlands of Brazil that this wine is grown. That tracks. This, yeah. That yeah. tracks with, Anywho, with what I know about the terroir here. Go um, for it. So, the first vines were brought to Brazil by the Portuguese, duh, in 1532. Colonial. <laughs> Colonialism. Um, Colonists. Where they were first planted in Sao Paulo. Is that, did I? Uh, Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo? Sao Paulo. Okay, great. Whatever. Um, well, what vines. Said. I, I said what I said. Well, vines were utilized by Catholic missionaries for centuries. It was not until the late 1870s that winemaking was more established and had taken hold in the area where Italian immigrants did much of the vine growing and mostly American vines and grape varietals were produced. Some Italian varieties such as Tanat were later added and then of course the Trebbiano that we're um, partially drinking today. Wine production with higher quality ambitions however didn't really start until the 1970s when several international wine companies including Moet and Chardon invested in Brazil and brought in new knowledge modern equipment and winemakers to help work the terroir awesome right I mean you know nothing... so maybe this stuff isn't gonna be so bad I mean I was like mm, neo-colonialism but okay um <laughs> Sarah Sarah oh man I lost my phonetic spelling here go out show Gaucha. Gaucha. Wow. I'm just, I thought I had it. Gaucha. <laughs> you know what? I'm trying. I'm trying. I get an E for effort. 
Um, so Serra Gaúcha is a Brazilian wine region in the southern state of the Rio Grande do Sul, where Brazil meets Uruguay. So it's right in kind of that that little bordered section. Um, its name speaks of both the terroir and the legacy of the area. And the landscape here is characterized by low mountain ranges that were populated, as Jules mentioned earlier, by the gauchos or the cowboys of Brazil. Um, and it, I actually didn't know that like gaucho culture, culture gaucho, would, would that uh -huh. be right? Culture yeah. um, was in Brazil. I always thought it was more of an Argentinian kind same, of. Same, same. Oh, wow. A lot of that stuff is this, like a lot of those types well, of um, that culture or traditions are very similar because there's a lot of like cattle ranching in both. Right. In both well, and also there were a lot of Italian immigrants in both yeah. countries, too. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Just okay. generally like European immigrants. Right. Yeah. So now um, Saragossa is considered the wine capital region of Brazil and is responsible for 80 percent of the entire country's production of wine. So. You know, we're drinking something that is, I think, very much emblematic of the production that's happening there right now. Small land holdings of just a few um, acres are the norm in this area, which makes cooperative winemaking almost a necessity. So this is partially because the cost of buying and man maintaining winemaking equipment is considerable. And local um, winemakers tend to pull their resources and invest in shared cooperative wineries. So I think that that's, you know, something that's a really cool practice. Um, and we're also seeing it a lot with sort of more experimental wine makers, especially in areas like Paso Robles' Tin City, kind of urban wine areas. Um, it's a really interesting way to think about making wine. It's through... Th it was through um, similar collaborative efforts that a group of Saragossa winemakers successfully campaigned for the creation of their domain of origin, the Valle do Vinhedos, um, which is Brazil's first official wine appellation. And of course, this area is located in that appellation. So the terroir here is characterized by the region's altitude and latitude. The altitude and mountainous topography here are vital to the area's sustainability for viniculture, providing cooling temperatures that create a longer growing season and higher acid retention of the grapes. Um, so very similar to, you know, trends that we've seen in other wines that we've had throughout the world. Soil type of the region is also attributed to the altitude um, and has a ton of volcanic basalt, which tends to be very high in nutrients and is good for feeding those grapes and making them nice um, and plum to yield good wines. In addition, the local culture and thus the local winemaking culture has been tangibly influenced by the immigrant populations from Germany and Italy. The first grape varieties that took off in this area were Italian, including Barbera and Trebbiano, again, which is in um, the sparkling that we're drinking today. And although these have now, these varietals have been largely supplanted by international, predominantly French varietals like Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, Merlot, Cabernet, you know, the popular ones, um, you still find them in some of these older wineries here. As is the case in most of Brazil's wine regions, sparkling wines are the specialty in this region. Many of them um, are made in the Italian spumante style, so they tend to be a bit sweeter, 
Um, I was lucky to find this one, which is a brute, right? So it's going to be on the drier side. Um, the popularity, however, of French champagne has led Brazil to do more sparkling wines labeled as brute or even extra brute, so dry or extra dry. Um, again, kind of signaling that change with the times. So now that we know a little bit about the history of wine in Brazil and the area, let's talk a bit about this particular um, winery and the winemaker. So the story of Salton begins in Italy in 1876 when Antonio Domenico left 1878 the 1878 thank you <laughs> I cannot read when Antonio Domenico left the town of Sison de Valmarino in the Veneto region oh I've been to the Veneto region that's right mm -hmm. you have um and went searching like many immigrants do for better opportunities in Brazil um he settled in the Italian colony of Villa Isabella um, now known as the city of Bento Gonzalez, 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 in the state of Rio Grande do Sul in Brazil. The winery was formally established in 1910 when Antonio's sons, Paulo, Angelo, João, 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 Jose, Caesar, Luis, and Antonio. That's those a lot are all of... very, very Brazilian names. <laughs> That's by a way. lot like of sons. Names. It's so funny. <laughs> Began to cultivate grapes and produce wines, sparkling wines, and vermouths. Under Ooh, the... we should find a vermouth. We should find a vermouth under the name Paulo Sultan and Irmãos. Does that and mean sons? Means brothers. Oh, and brothers. Um, in downtown uh, Bento Gonzalez. A century later now, so let's fast forward to 2010, Sultan is recognized as one of the main Brazilian wineries and a leader in the commercialization of national sparkling wines of Brazil. So this winery really put sparkling wines from Brazil on the map. Um, today, at the head of the winery, members of the fourth generation of the family preserve the legacy of its founder and continue to operate under the same values built over more than 100 years ago and inspired by the simplicity and hard work of those first generations. Uh, the winery today sits on the same latitude as South Africa's Cape and Western Australia, two of the most prestigious New World wine regions that get a lot of accolades in wine press and with critics. Um, but Sultan has always believed in the Brazilian potential to produce world-class wines and is among the first to take to the international stage through exportation. Uh, so again, the fact that I could even find this here, I think speaks volumes to some of the work that they're doing to try and get the word out about these wines. In addition, Sultan is engaged with integrating the environmental and social governance aspects in all stages of their production process along side different stakeholders that form their chain of values so they are very much related to or invested in three strategic pillars that they describe of sustainable production prosperous relationships and um, environmental and social governance so you know they're really practicing a lot of the things that we talk about in terms of sustainable farming and building relationships and respecting the terroir here on the podcast um, so I was pleasantly surprised to see that as well. Funny that that kind of did happen because we didn't pick this because it falls in line with like how how we think about wine and how we want right. to pick our wines. 
I, I think that that's just, it's becoming more and more common that as winemakers and vineyard managers are experiencing climate change, they're starting to realize that every, everybody's just got to get on board with this shit. It's also just more, it's not and, an option. more and more common outside the U.S. Mm-hmm. too, right? Yeah. Even with larger scale production. Um, and full transparency, like we picked this wine because this is the one we could find from Brazil. <laughs> Literally. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, that's just kind of ironic that it also kind of follows some of these um, guidelines that we like to think about. Exactly. So, um, senior winemaker and technical responsible, as he is called, um, Luciano Sarton joined the business officially in 1979. Um, he holds a degree in enology from the Colegio de Viticultura y Enologia. 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 Currently, um, Instituto oh. Federal de Educación, Ciencia y Tecnología do Rio Grande do Sul. That's a mouthful. So it's the Institute, the Federal Institute of Education, Science, and Technology of Rio Grande do Sul. Yes, Correct. ma'am. Very what nice. she said. Um, and since he formally joined the winery post-degree, he has been... Post-pandemic. Post- <laughs> I just automatically filled it in with post-pandemic. <laughs> post-degree. Um, he has been responsible for the evolution of their sparkling wine line, and which is one of the reasons I wanted to highlight Wine him. line. <laughs> and of his winemaking journey, I'm just going to ignore her from now on. Uh, he states, quote, I dedicate my life to enology following the development and evolution of Brazilian viticulture, thanks in large part to the moments driven by Sultan over the past decades. And what I think is nice about this is the sentiment is that, one, it's kind of all encompassing. With what we hear from so many of the winemakers that we look at and study is that it's not, you know, making wine is not just a profession. It's really a lifestyle. And it's about a place and a legacy, and so, especially with these family-run enterprises. Um, but also that, you know, I think he's really trying to, to create that narrative of, wine from brazil and giving us something unexpected in our glass um from an unexpected place so i'm excited to dive into this bottle i am excited oh my god i'm excited you should be very excited okay we're ready to do this let's muster some enthusiasm let's do it here we go And here we are at the moment of truth. <laughs> the tasting discussion. Let's see what this spumante it is. It is not like. a spumante. This is a brute. Weren't you paying attention? Or no. Did I lose you at colonialism? Not. I don't Jesus. know. I don't know. Oh, I don't know what happened. But spumante is like, it means it's sparkling. I, see, I hear spumante, I think Osti Spumante. And see, I'm I think like, spumante is just sparkling. I think it's because it talks about spumante in the spumante style, like sparkling style. So anyway, we digress. As per fucking usual, let's talk about what's in the glass. Tiny bubbles. Tiny mm-hmm. bubbles. It's actually really pretty. It's, and I think you were very surprised when we poured I it. I was. Yeah, I was like, ooh. She was expecting Straight up like trash, everybody. I think I was expecting it to look like apple juice. 
but it had a beautiful golden, like festive color, like sparkly color. Yeah, like that kind of golden apple. I mean, it is it it looks like the color of a champagne. Yes. Or like an aged cava. So, you know, Proseccos tend to be, I think, lighter in color. Yeah, white color. almost, yeah. Um, like silvery white. Yeah, yeah, whereas this is very warm in hue yes. and darker like you would see in an aged cava or an aged champagne. Yep. So already we're very surprised straight That's out of the bottle. Surprised. Mm-hmm. Jules may have to eat her words over here. We shall see. I'm totally, I am happy to do that. <laughs> I would much rather be pleasantly surprised than right. <laughs> about my that's home, not true about my about my home country okay. <laughs> not about everything in my life please <laughs> everyone knows i love to be right but about this i would like to be wrong okay what do we smell um i got because you had said sugar initially and i was like sugar and then i was like oh yeah like i was smelling a little bit of like honey and like cotton candy but not like that like that cloying, artificial sweet, not yeah. cloying. So then I, I was thinking like sponge sugar, like something that felt a little bit more artisanal than just like the cotton candy you get at like a ballpark or something. Yeah, and so I mean, kind of that that sweetness hit me right away. But really, I'm getting more like um, you know, once I took a, a deeper dive with the nose, like almost like a creme brulee. You know, again, I love a creme brulee. very much in that sponge sugar mm-hmm. kind of like heated yeah. sugar, or even. I, <laughs> At first, I was like, am I getting, like, toasted almonds? But it's a little bit more on the sweet side and less on the nutty side. So I'm going to say marzipan or, like, the filling of an almond croissant. Mm. You know, See, I didn't get that at kind all. Of that, that, to me, is, like, very uh, specific. That marzipan is a very specific taste to me. I don't love it. I'm a very specific person. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> I love that about you. So, yeah. But I think we're, like, on the same page in terms yeah. of what we're getting. All right. So the moment of truth, Jules. Let's taste it. Okay. It's not bad. It is much better than the Chapel Downs. Oh my god, it's so much better. And it is a fraction of the cost of that because that ball was like forty five dollars. Yeah, if you remember, and it was shit, and it was garbage. It was not good. It was hot. Garbage. It was hot garbage. This has a little bit of a almost like a, a like a mustiness to it initially, um, like a, and it was. I feel like as it sat in the glass, it has lightened up a little bit. Like it had a little bit more, um, not that it was cloudy, but it felt it felt a little like heavier in the glass initially and had a little bit of a musky or mustiness to it. I mean, it came a long way, so maybe that. It did come a long way. But I'm definitely getting like. Probably in a slave ship. <laughs> wow, that got dark fast. <laughs> I mean, listen. That, for the record, that was not fucking me, okay? <laughs> oh, they know who that was. <laughs> Um, so I am definitely getting like notes of golden apple, um, some key lime zest in there, uh, which would li- make sense for Brazil. A little bit of like just a, the slightest hint of brioche. Um, mm, yeah, you know it. It is. Listen, it was ten bucks, right? It, listen for ten dollars. First of all. Even if this was $20, I would be pretty happy with this. Yeah. I mean. I would actually probably go out and buy this and take this to a party or have this at a party as something that is an affordable sparkling wine that 
could be enjoyed by most people. And I'm going to... Are you ready for this? Oh, no. Are you I going would, out on a limb? I would prefer this any day over a Prosecco. Oh, me too. Yeah. You know I'm not a big Prosecco fan. Yeah, neither am I. I will drink a Prosecco, but it's not my favorite. When push comes to shove. Listen, when I go to Buena Fricata and they give me my free Prosecco when I sit down because I've been going there forever... I will drink the Prosecco and I'll enjoy it. But I also... It's like, I will be a gracious person. Well, but also, like, there's something about when you're in that environment. I, like, enjoy it. You yeah. Know, but it's fine. But, like, yeah, I... Yeah, I mean, I'll drink it if I'm in not fucking have Italy. Prosecco in the house. But I will do a Prosecco with a spritz. You don't just have a La Marca? With oh, an see, Aperol, I, like, an Aperol spritz. I I'll use do a Cava, a, I'll do a Prosecco. Because it gets cut with the Aperol. Fair. So, anyway. But, okay. um, no, I mean, I am, I am pleasantly surprised, as I hope you are, I am, yes. Especially considering that New Zealand turkey I had last weekend. Yeah, I I really did not have high hopes for this. As everybody knows, my expectations were very low because I just, I, I just had never She's heard. She's been bitching about this for weeks. I just had never <laughs> heard of Brazil producing wine, to be perfectly honest. So I was, I was, yep, I was uh, skeptical. I cannot wait to just keep showing up with some weird shit Indian for wine, Thai wine. Oh, we're going to do it all. We're going to do it all, we're I guess. We're going to do it all. I guess this this is going to be in... Didn't, we're going to have to change the name of the podcast, I think. We're still two girls. We still got grape. That's true. <laughs> all right, so... We, two girls and the international grape. The international grape. <laughs> international grapes of mystery. Um, okay, so we drank it. We liked it. Yeah. It's good. I would definitely... Be, I would recommend this to someone. I love it. Yeah, I would too. I think it's. I a, might go buy some. I think. Oh. To like, have around as like a cheaper little sparkler to open up yeah. when someone comes by. I think it's. We want to celebrate something. I, have, I would actually. Yeah, 100% have yeah. this on hand. All right, so let's talk about pairings then because this is, this is the stuff that everybody wants. So, what are you serving with this wine? Okay. I think because I have the Super Bowl in my mind. The commercials and Usher. I'm thinking about more sort of like finger food, like appetizer-y type stuff. And I would do like a, I feel like this would go really well with a bacon wrap date. Mm. Yeah. Because that's a, got the saltiness of the bacon, the sweetness of the date. I feel like it would go really well with this. So yeah. it's not a, is that, it's not really a food. It's I mean it's a food, but I it's mean, like, like a dish. I mean bacon and dates are food. Yeah, and then obviously there's I think there's like some component of cheese that could be put in there. Oh, for sure. Not for me, but for, sure. for other people. Blue cheese. <laughs> so we'll just throw up in her mouth. I love a sparkling wine with blue cheese. I don't think this is any exception to that, but I love this wine for a brunch because I think mm, it will yeah. complement. If you're serving sweet things, I think it'll complement that. If you're serving savory things. So, like, if you were doing, like, a brioche French toast or a French toast bake, it would be amazing with that and fresh fruit. If you're doing something more savory, like a frittata. and like a sausage like, casserole. Yeah, sausage, bacon, Or a bloated nachos. Just a shit Anything. ton of blue cheese. Yeah. <laughs> She's trying to make me sick. I, I actually think it would go really great for brunch. And I've... I like doing, like, brunch as an entertainment event. Like, I like having people over for brunch. I think it's just well, yeah. a fun way to... It's super fun. It's a little more casual than, like, a dinner. And it's also very, you know, since we're, we've are we got this $10 bottle that we're working with, 
entertaining at brunch time is super cost effective. Like you can entertain a good crowd and make an amazing breakfast for a decent amount of people for, you know, something that's not going to break the bank. Whereas like dinner entertainment tends to be a little bit more expensive. So I love kind of sticking with that theme and going with brunch. All right. What's your, so that's your situation. Is it? That was your situation. I mean, I have, I have a lot of situations yeah. though. You know, I like to like roll all my stuff into one. You know, I, I want to, I also think this, okay, no, I have a better, I have another situation. I'm going to make it even more specific just because I don't want you to win. Um, I think this is a really great springtime wine. So I get that California is about to wash away at any moment into the ocean, but um, soon, one day, Dramatic. perhaps, maybe it will. We're not be, gonna be alive. It will be spring. We'll be It'll be spring, and the sun will once again shine. And I just think that this is gonna be a great wine to roll into, like March, April, May, where you still have like some slight coolness before, you know, like the eternal death by heat sets in. Oh God! And yep, I'm sticking with all the drama. Uh, and I just think it's a great wine for like that period of time. Um, Easter. This would be a great Easter wine. Especially what? Coming out of the Lenten season? What? Easter? What? Colonialism and Catholicism? So, and Drea apparently things? wants to pair it with multiple situations. She's got brunch. Easter she's brunch. She's got something Easter coming brunch. out of like winter Easter brunch. Solstice. I don't know what's happening. Maybe I'll make myself a brunch. bonnet. That's right. That's right. But you're probably going to be here for Easter, let's face it. Oh, oh, we should make bonnets. Because we were here for Easter last year. Yes, we should do bonnets. Okay, my situation, also entertainment I'm putting together, is... Bonnet making. Something... <laughs> I'm all for craft night. Yes, I'm in for bonnet making. I'm... We should play our the letter game and bonnet making it. Yes, one hundred percent. We're gonna do that. I used Rose to, and Andy are gonna come down. I feel like as a child, I made a bonnet out of like a paper bag. Like that was just some shit you did in elementary school. You did it out of a paper plate. Oh, you do a paper plate. Oh, we're totally. You put the rib. You put poke holes in it. Put the ribbon. We're totally fucking different. making we're bonnets. Anywho. <laughs> Watch out for that on the Instagram, everyone. <laughs> My situation and entertainment is riffing a little bit off of, as Drea was talking about, like this transition from like spring into summer, kind of the cooler weather into warmer weather. I was thinking about um, vinyl in the park. Mm-hmm. And so it's this, this thing in San Diego that they do where they a DJ spins a lot of records in the park and everybody just comes and it's a free event and you bring your picnic and you sit outside and it's always at sunset. Like it was like, early like early afternoon to late afternoon sunset it's a good time and i think that would be really fun to like bring your picnic and listen to vinyl right you know some vinyl records and you know you're there for sunset and that's when that turns like here in california at sunset the temperature drops dramatically now, at certain times of the year now who's being dramatic no but it does though it's like <laughs> whoa that was unexpected you're like it was 80 and that now was it's something 40. that i did not expect moving to california was oh shit you really do have to carry like a little jacket or a hoodie with you if you're going to be out from like day to night all because it's a big change not so much anymore in the summer but like definitely in the spring i have a friend um... you don't have a friend <laughs> <laughs> she's lying she's a lying bitch I have a make-believe shut your lying from, mouth from grad school who <laughs> Used to carry a pair of leggings in her purse everywhere she went because she's like, you just never know when that shit's going to turn. 
Listen, it's like you when you told me about being up at UCSD. Oh, the microclimates, like, yeah. Have an umbrella, have a towel, have a pair of socks, have a change of shoes. I used to have a whole like mini closet yeah. in my car. So don't be talking about your friend because that's you. Listen, I never had leggings in my purse. <laughs> I want to be very clear about this. That's taken prepared to a whole new level. Uh, do you have entertainment? You've come up with multiple situations. So I'm sticking with Easter bonnet making, Easter brunch, and bonnet making. Okay, everybody, um, we are gonna we are doing this. We're making it happen. We're gonna make bonnets. Rose is gonna be so into this. She's gonna be very into it. She's gonna judge us hard, though. I'm okay with that. She's like, your bonnet's fucked up. <laughs> I'm gonna start thinking about it now. <laughs> I know. So Jules really loves to do like the costuming. I mean, I love it. I've, I'm into the dress up. I've attempted. It's it it doesn't go well all the time, but it's fine. Um, I'm in for I'm in for a good time. All right, so if you would like your own Brazilian sparkler, spumante. Oh my god, <laughs> this episode needs to be over. Um, <laughs> guess where we got ours? Oh my god, it was Total Wine. Um, Total Wine, you need to fucking sponsor us already. <laughs> so I found this bottle at Total Wine. Um, again, I would check their website. Plug, they have. Um, a way that you can plug in your zip code and see if it's local to you. I would check Wine Searcher for information, but this one does have quite um, an, the export footprint here in the United States, so it should be fairly easy to find. Um, for our next bottle, oh man, what is our next bottle? I know we have one. We have something planned, but it's going to be a mystery bottle. It is not going to be a mystery bottle. It's we, a mystery bottle. We have a plan. I just fucked up and didn't put it in the in the episode because you're I, fired. Yeah, I mean, probably I probably should be fired to be quite honest with you. Oh, here we go. Here's my here's my plan. I do have a plan, everybody. We um, did meet and try to set out a strategy oh, for the year. This is a good one too. How did I forget this? So we actually don't have an official bottle selected, but I will tell you this. We are pulling out all the stops for the Oscars and award season. Oh, I like it. Mm-hmm. I so, forgot that we did talk about that. So get prepared. And if you have a fe- favorite celebrity winemaker, wine, I use that term loosely. Um, Just someone that fucking put their name on the <laughs> label. Hit us up. You know where to find us. You can follow us on Instagram at two girls and a great pod. That's T-W-O girls and a great pod. And if you've enjoyed this episode and learning about Brazilian sparkling wines, give us five stars, a like, a shout out, a great review. High five. Wherever you listen to Whatever the kids are saying these days. I don't want anyone to poke me. I want to be very clear about this. Oh, God. She poked me. I just poked her. Um, Wherever you listen to podcasts. And until next time, salute. Cheers.